time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode number 225, Access Denied. The small SUV and crossovers Australians need right now. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me in looking at the cool and economical cars we should have, but don't, are News Editor Tung Nguyen. Howdy. And new addition to our on-staff team, Senior Editor Tim Nicholson. Hello. Now, we'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and dive into your feedback. YouTubers, uh, you can jump ahead to each section of the show via the time codes in the notes or chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. So our our colleague Byron has authored yet another brilliant story uh, during the week. And this is about, um, really, it's it's about the fact that petrol went to $2.20 a litre. And all of a sudden, people were thinking differently. And we know that... um, Interest in EV stories on our site just went vertical. Uh, I've never seen a chart like it. Uh, Everybody was uh, uh, researching what an EV was going to cost them. At the same time, Byron got thinking, well, why don't we have more economical little SUVs that Mm. could um, be another way out of of that kind of impasse? And he came up with six um, that are from basically Japan and South Korea. Mm -hmm. And so the way we might approach it is if each of us in turn takes the lead on looking at each one that Byron's raised and then we'll we'll see where it goes from there. And Tung, can I start with you, please? Which is the first cab off the rank? Absolutely. Um, so Byron has nominated the Kia Exceed. Um, it's a bit of a strange name. You know, it's, it's actually the Kia Seed, but jacked up and turned into an SUV sort of thing. Um, and if the Seed name sounds a little bit familiar to our Australian listeners and viewers, um, you know, Kia did produce a pro C GT kind of warm hatch back in the day, about 10, yeah. 10 years ago now. Right. Um, but the, the X seed, it's, it's basically, you know, Europe gets the seed as their sort of small car. And the X seed is just a SUV eyesed version of that car. Um, I personally don't think it works in the Australian market. You know, we've already got things like Seltos, Stonic sort of filling that space for buyers. Right. right. Um, but it does look pretty cool. I agree. I think it looks fantastic. So you think it's just a niche too far. There, there, there isn't really enough room to kind of shoehorn it in there. No, personally, personally, no. I mean, like I know Australian buyers cannot get enough of SUVs, uh, but Kia has their stable pretty full in that regard. Tim, what yeah. do you think? Uh, look, I totally agree. And especially because the Stonic is, the Stonic's kind of a jacked up Rio, am I right? So like, yes, this would be a bit bigger than that, but then why wouldn't you get the Seltos, which is a really good car. I think, you know, we've all driven that. Yep. I think you can get a really good version of the Seltos. So yeah, look, it would be super niche and because I'm, I think it's um, built in Europe, like Slovakia. Slovakia. Right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the import price on that would just see it quite uh, premium against its competitors. So yeah, look. I, well, I, the yeah. other thing is, I mean, Byron uh, quotes a figure of six litres per hundred, which is, which is pretty great. But for a one-litre three-cylinder, it's it's mm. kind of not where I thought it would be, frankly. Mm. Well, the yeah. biggest engine offered in that car is a 1.6-litre. Right. You know? Um, yeah. When you're going from sort of like one-litre, 1.4, 1.5, 1.6, and that's your flagship in an SUV that's going to cost a lot because it's built in Europe and imported to Australia. Yeah, is there's that, that. Is that too, you know, too hard a pill to swallow? Righto. Okay, let's park the Exceed to one side. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Tim, let's continue on. Your first... Uh, candidate. 
My first candidate is a name that will be familiar to some of us people who are a little bit older, uh, and that is the uh, Daihatsu Rocky. Never heard of it. Um, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've got a, there's a special place in my heart for this car because my best friend growing up, his dad bought the Feroza. Yep. Which was the Australian name for the Rocky. And he bought two in a row and thought they were the best cars in the world until it blew up and uh, didn't oh, survive. And it wasn't but, the best um, car in the world. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, you know, we don't have Daihatsu anymore. I think they were killed off in Australia about 2005, 2006, owned by Toyota Motor Corporation. Uh, our colleague Byron has um, on a number of occasions been calling for the return of Daihatsu to Australia. And I kind of see his point, like, why mm -hmm. not have a cut price Japanese car maker here when Toyota is yep. going that bit premium? Um, and this car would just be perfect. It's it's like a light SUV. Um, it's got kind of chunky looks. Yeah. Um, uh, there's no reason this car wouldn't work in Australia. Yep. It would be affordable. There's one liter engines, 1.2 liter engines. And they've got like a smart hybrid, which is, it's like a range extender kind of thing. So, I mean, you know, and the the, the fuel economy on that thing is 3.6 litres. So, yes. that's going to save you some money. It is. Um, it's also twinned with, so uh, because of the Toyota connection, Toyota's got a version called the Rays. Yeah. Um, uh, it's exactly the same. It doesn't look any different, but Toyota's, I, you know, Toyota Australia is not going to bring in something like this that's a bit more cut price, like it does very well in Indonesia, for example. I see, I see. Yeah. Mm. So I think the only option would be if miraculously somehow Daihatsu <sighs> decided to make a comeback here. <laughs> okay. Well, let's park that next to the Xseed and they're, <sighs> they're just off to one side. <laughs> yeah. I, I have yeah. a question. I actually have a question about the Go for it. Go for it. Rocky. Are we talking size-wise? Is it sort of Yaris Cross or smaller? Uh I, I think Byron said just under Mazda CX-3 length in terms of length. Ah, okay. That's yep. really small then, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Because that CX-3 is really short. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Real tiny and compact that. and, yeah. you know, in the SUV shape, which is what everyone wants. Yeah. But again, it looks pretty cool. I mean, I in, either, in either Daihatsu or Toyota guys, it, it looks pretty funky. I would have thought I um, there'd be some appetite for it. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, as a, like a sub CHR um, as well. Anyway, um, now, let, interesting, um, we, we were talking just a minute ago about how some Japanese brands have kind of evacuated the space that's, that's the, the entry point, um, none, none more so than uh, Honda. So, so Byron's nominated the Honda Fit, which, of course, is a, another market name for the Jazz, but this is the Crossstar and the Crossstar Hybrid, in fact. So... The, he, he is saying, what is he saying? So it's based on the all new jazz, which he says inexplicably didn't get to Australia, um, but it's a 1.5 litre. So in terms of these little cars that Byron's been investigating, that's a big block, you know, that's, mm. uh, that's a pretty big engine, 72 kilowatts, 1.5. And then you have an 80 kilowatt, 253 newton metre electric motor combination with it. Capable of doing zero to 100 in less than 10 seconds. So for a little car, it's still got enough uh, pickup to keep up with traffic. They're claiming 900 kilometres between refills wow. and 4.8 litres per 100, which is more what you'd expect for a little car, really tiny little car um, like this. So it's sort of in the same vein as a Yaris Cross uh, hybrid, that mm. kind of thing. But the way Honda in Australia is going, which is further up market, this seems like the polar opposite of that ambition. What do you guys reckon? 
Yeah, I, I look, it's such a shame because I, I don't know about you guys, but I think that the fit slash jazz is adorable. This new mm, generation is just is. so cute. And yeah. yeah, I mean, you're totally right with Honda's kind of positioning and stuff. It's unlikely, but what a shame. I know. And I think we were talking uh, before we started the show, in digging around for a bit of information on these cars, you go to uh, sites that are largely Japan only or global sites for some of these brands, and you just see these masses of amazing, cute little cars yeah. that are JDM or, or maybe other markets, but not here. And you think, oh, they'd be so much fun. You know, there's such, um, such a lot on offer. But anyway, let's keep going. Tung, we are back to you. And yeah. we, we are, um, we're with a European brand this time. Yep, this one's the Volkswagen Tago. Tigo? How would you guys pronounce it? Uh, I'd say Tago. Tago. I would then say Tigo, so who knows? Look, someone, <laughs> someone in our <laughs> listening and viewing audience will correct us for sure. Um, so this car is a Brazilian market sort of focused vehicle. Um, it's basically just a jacked up polo, isn't it? Um, you know, in the same vein as a T. Oh, God, I always get this confused. It's a T-Cross, which yep. is the mm-hmm. jacked up polo. Yep. Um but you know, it's 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 got a it's got a frugal engine that does five point five liters per one hundred kilometers. Um, again, much in the same way as the uh, what was I talking about before? The Kia Exceed. Yes, uh, it might not just be room in Volkswagen Australia's lineup for a Tiger slash Tiger. Yeah, uh, they've got T Rock, they've got T Cross. Um, you know, if you want to go for a more budget option, you've got the Skoda. Um, you know, yep. options as well. Hey, that's a point um, too. Yeah. So, yeah, just um, no, no room for this one, I think. Well, the thing is, aside from a marketing-led decision about how many niches you might want to occupy in the market, we were talking again before about the fact, yes, petrol goes up to a staggering price, but the government's made a decision to cut the excise and it's come back. So all of a sudden, our vertical climb on EV interest came down again and people <laughs> have seemed to, to cool off on that idea. So it's all short-term stuff. But you as a car brand, you have to make a decision on importing a model with everything that goes with it, you know, servicing, spare parts, all of the training that you have to do to introduce a new car, and it'll be here for some time. So it's a big call. Um, Mm -hmm. It might sound, oh, just pull it off the shelf and put it in showrooms over here. It's a a pretty big deal. Yeah, Yeah. those decisions are made years and years and years in advance, right? Like It's it's very hard for a car company to sort of be agile and pivot and react Mm. to to trends that happen quite quickly, like fuel prices. Yes, Mm. unless you're Morgan hand-building each car (laughs) and and mid-build, you can say, oh, let's let's put a different engine in, you know? Uh, You can't really do that. All right, well, Tygo is parked with the others off to one side. (laughs) Um, and Tim, we're back to you and we're back in South Korea. We are. We are. So we're back with Hyundai. Now, um, well, I'm going to get to this car really quickly, but if you can see behind me these mm. two incredibly adorable little uh, cars, that is the Hyundai Casper, which yep. was uh, revealed last year. Tiny, tiny Unreal. little thing. Basically, it would be a new version of the Getz. Yeah, um, right. If the Getz happened today. Yeah. And that's not going to come here. I think it's for um, developing markets. But how adorable is this thing? Come on, Hyundai. Bring it here, please, please. And please. we were theorizing that the olive green car behind you with the extra inlets in the grill, that's either apertures for browning machine guns or it's extra air intakes for little turbos or something like that. But we're not, <laughs> something like not 100% that. sure. They've super the way, cute. Agree. I want to say to Hyundai, please get it here soon. Oh, dear. All oh, right. Dear. I think and, we should and do an end version as well. Uh, Okay. Yeah. And, oh, an N oh. Casper, a Casper N. Imagine. Fantastic. Anyway, but, the main one that yeah. Byron uh, tapped was? 
Byron was talking about something that um, is a really striking looking car. I think that's the Hyundai Bayon. Um, now, this thing's based on the European market i20. We only get that here mm. in N guys. Um, it, it's essentially a jacked up version of the i20. But rather than doing like a Impreza to XV, gee, this looks exactly the same. Um, they've actually given it quite a different design. And I think it's really sleek and really stylish. I actually think out of all of the cars that we're talking about today, this one would probably work the best in Australia. Yes. Um, yep. Just purely based on how it looks. It's got um, a one litre engine with a 48 volt battery, three cylinder turbo. That thing uh, will get you 5.3 litres of fuel. So I, th I think, you know, most Australians be would be very, very happy with that. Yep. Um, the thing is with this car. So what we get instead of this is the venue. I don't know about you two, but yes. I, I quite like the venue. But sure. It's, it, it's a very... <laughs> a venue, venue as far as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, hasn't set the world yeah. on fire quite no. as much as, as Hyundai wanted it to. Exactly no. right. It's interesting because it's USA and Australia get the venue and it's very much an Indian market car as well, although it's slightly different in India. But the rest of the world, including Europe or mostly Europe, gets gets this thing. And look, to be honest, I think this is a, a rare misstep from Hyundai in Australia. I think maybe yep. this should have been that model. But right. again, because it's from Europe, it would have cost more than uh, the venue. And I think with the venue, they were looking to kind of replace the accent maybe yes. there. So, yes. And I, I don't know. I mean, again, think? of course, we are all expert product planners, you know, sitting in the <laughs> recliner lounge from the sidelines and, and making awesome. it look so easy. But if you're trying to juggle the reputation of your brand, mm -hmm. um, introducing a car like this is a big decision because if, as over time, maybe the last decade or more, Hyundai's crept up market to a more viable competitor for some of the established Japanese brands, if you do bring in a very cheap and cheerful model, it may erode some of that equity that you've built up in your brand. So you have to be thinking about that as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah there, there might be an opportunity for incremental sales and and some some uh, extra money in the till, but wait, longer term, is it a good decision? Wait, wait a minute. It's it's pronounced venue. I've been calling it Venu this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you're not a fan of the Venu tongue. Look, the the Venu serves <laughs> its purpose, uh, but no, I'm not the biggest fan of that car. I, I personally think there are much better cars in that class, but that's probably a conversation for another podcast. Well, in, in a way, the market has spoken, and uh, it yeah. seems to be on your side of the equation, too. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, the sixth and final uh, cab off the rank is again from Japan, and it's Nissan, and it's the Note. So, and it's the Note Autotech e-power um, a classically simple name out of japan but to put it in context byron encourages us to think of a leaf ev with a beefier stance so in fact 25 millimeters of increased uh, ground clearance and it could be a little high riding compact family type car 1.2 liter three-cylinder petrol electric motor or two in the all-wheel drive grades but it's only the electric motor that drives the wheels. So the, the petrol engine is more a generator um, to keep the battery pack charged. And fuel consumption can drop well below three litres per mm. 100 kilometres. So now you're into pretty serious fuel economy territory. Yeah. Um, and he says it has the potential to be a pretty engaging drive because the platform it sits on is shared with the latest uh, Renault Clio hatch. Mm. And he proposes, you know, Japanese quality meets French dynamic flair. Um, what a what a combination that might be. So I wonder whether Nissan uh, has the scope and capacity to pull something like that into its lineup. 
Mm, I'm, I'm really interested in that, um, you know, Nissan's approach to electrification, um, you know, that e-power strategy that they're sort of putting together. I haven't personally driven like an e-power car, but I think, Tim, have you driven one? I drove one briefly in, I think it was Japan or Singapore, weirdly, at a Nissan event a, a few years ago. And I think it was the Note, but it was only around a small track. So I didn't get much of an idea of the Note. But that was at a time when Nissan Australia were seriously considering bringing the, I think it was the previous Note. Note. Power, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here. And then, um, you know, they've had, they had a couple of changes of management since then. And that that obviously hasn't come to pass, um, but we are about to get, is it the Qashqai e-power? Is that yep. yes. coming first? Yep. Yeah. Yes. So they're about to ramp up in Australia finally, because, you know, they've been lagging Toyota on that front, of course. Interesting. I mean, we, we made the point earlier that European production could be problematic. Even Japanese production could mm. be problematic. I wonder mm. where that car is made. I presume it's in Japan, but. Um, and I mean, uh, Nissan are having problems with that. They've just delayed the Aria um, all electric SUV in Europe because you know, production. Yep. Right. Yep. Trying production to put actually bolt cars together with all yep. the parts required. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, look, there, as, as mentioned, there are a million others, but that is the half dozen that Byron nominated. I think it's interesting food for thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and our listeners and viewers may have their say uh, and let us know where they are on each of those six and maybe others as well. But it's time now to move to our garage, to cars that you can, in fact, drive right now, and we have been. And, Tim, could I start with you, please? Mm-hmm. It's a Skoda. It is. It is a Skoda. It is uh, the entry-level Skoda. So I think, uh, Tung, you mentioned before that, you know, Skoda has some of those kind of more affordable models. Not anymore. Um, so this is the Kamek, um, which is their smallest SUV, um, which I thought lined up against the T-Cross, but it's it's seen as a small SUV and the T-Cross is a light SUV. Anyway, uh, I, don't, I, I find don't all of that massively confusing oh. because the chassis that underpin these cars mm-hmm. don't seem to match up the cars that they compete with in the market. So it does my head yeah. in, frankly. Well, yeah, is go to small SUV, the Karak, or is that like midsize now? Apparently that's midsize. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think, you see, we're all like, it's like... <laughs> T-Rock, T-Cross, Kamek, Karak, the whole shebang. So yep. look, I, I drove the, uh, the Kamek when it first came out and I was so impressed with this car. I think it's such a good little SUV. I think it's one of the best driving small SUVs on the market, hands down. Um, I've got the ambition. Um, so what about the car though? <laughs> okay. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. Um, it is, it's not cheap. It's $35,600 before on-road costs. Now, I think for a small SUV, oh. that's the not the flagship in any way, shape or form. Sorry, say that price again. $35,600. Oh, okay. Before yep. on roads. I get um, you. Yep. So what's interesting about this car, though, when they first launched it, they had an entry-level engine. I think it was a three-cylinder, the same one from the T-Cross, mm. and a manual. And it was so well kitted out. It was like, I think it was like 26 grand. Um, and it had everything you'd need in it. And it was such a bargain. And I've spoken with Byron about this. He was like, this is one of the best buyers of the year. Steadily since the launch, they've cut the, the oh. model range down. So, and it's now a, a lot more premium. But it's it's like, I think it's missing sat nav. There's a couple of other things. Like, I think oh, there, there must have been a tap had. on your tap on yours and Byron's phone. Yeah. I think that you know, someone's sure. listening in because that's no, that's connected. You know, it's, I love a good conspiracy. Honestly, but look, it's got that 110 kilowatt engine, the Volkswagen Group engine that's in 
everything. Um, it's it's really quick, really responsive. Uh, it rides really well. It handles beautifully. It's it's a decent mm. size. Like inside, it's a bit of a TARDIS. Like it's there's heaps of headroom. Um, I've only had it for a couple of days, but my previous experience with this car, I, I'm a really big fan of it. I, the only yep. thing I'm questioning at the moment um, is value in saying that there is quite a lot of kit in it. Um, but you know, it's a small SUV segment. It's you guys know what that's like. It's mega competitive, and you can get quite good cars for under thirty grand. So it's like a it's like a pool of piranhas. Throw a new model in there, and it just gets you know attacked. One hundred percent. Yeah, there's so much choice. Um, yeah. I suppose it depends on people's needs, as always, um, as to the size and then the level of equipment that they're after. And goodness, there are so many permutations. So interesting yep. that it's it's a good drive and and yep. uh, nicely done. Yeah. And if that's if that's the priority, I, like honestly, I'm struggling to think of a car that I enjoyed better in that segment. Fantastic. Okay, good one. Thank you, Tong. Uh, Tong we will move on to your good self. Yes. Um, you have been in a Hyundai. Please tell us about it. That's a bit of a mouthful. It's actually the Hyundai Tucson all-wheel drive Highlander diesel with N-line. There we go. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually still driving this car. This is my current um, long-term press car. So, um, okay, as the midsize SUV, the baby seat's going in the back. Uh, this is what we use to ferry, you know, young Finn to and from childcare. Um, and you know what? First things first, it looks phenomenal. I wasn't a huge fan of the way the new generation Tucson looked in sort of press pictures and things like that. It's got that cascading, new cascading grill where they integrate the headlights and the daytime running lights, you know, flanking the um, the badge in the middle. Um, and it just kind of looks like a big light um, in press yeah. photos, but in the flesh, yeah. like all the little details really, you know, come to the fore and you, you pick up on all these little things and the light sort of hits things at certain angles. And it looks really, really good to me. Great. Um, and made even better by the fact that this car has the inline kit on it, which is sort of like, uh, you know, different wheels, sportier wheels, a different body kit. They've colored the, um, you know, the, the wheel arch cladding. Yep. In like a dark gray. Yeah. Um, so it all sort of comes together to form this really striking, you know, sporty looking SUV. Because that's right up your street, Tung. A car doesn't really start to cut it unless it's got different rims and some kind of treatment on the body, right? A- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. fun, fun bit of trivia. I've never owned a car and not changed the wheels. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, so that's perfect. That's perfect. Yes, yes. Straight off the showroom floor. Um, but, uh, you know, this being the top of the range model as well, it's got all the kit you want in it, you know, heated and cooled seats, heated steering wheel, oh. wireless phone charger. Um, it's got these wonderful sort of um, suede at seats as well, sporty seats, uh, which I'm questioning how long is that going to hold up with a baby in the back and food. But One way to find out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. Um, and a big practical boot. So, you know, in terms of uh, practicality for a family, this is perfect. Terrific. Okay, yeah, well, that that'll be diesel? a great experience. That it is the diesel. Cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I this, found with that the, the Tucson that that's the pick engine right. out of okay. all of them. Yeah. I yeah. The, the question I sort of want to answer is like, you know, does it make sense to still buy a diesel in 2022? Mm. You know, that's a good question. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll find out with my six months. But I think when you think about um, Tucson and I want to say Sportage, you know, uh, yeah. that, that so much experimentation in terms of the way those cars look, it's yeah. a really exciting little part of the market in there that those, those, uh, Hyundai and Kia twins are pushing it out a bit in terms yep. of the way the cars look. I love it. Absolutely. Totally Definitely agree. stands out in traffic. Yeah. Okay. Now I can finish off um, with the Porsche Machan. 
or Macan. <laughs> We're constantly corrected on how to pronounce it. Um, now, this this car came up in in our kind of hits and misses podcast that we had a while ago. Um, it's this is the cheapest way into a Porsche in Australia. So eighty four thousand eight hundred dollars will get you a Porsche on your driveway. Uh, that's before on road costs. It's a two liter turbo petrol four. It's basically the VW GTI's. Uh, it's called EA Triple Eight engine that's used in various Audis and VWs and and what have you. Seven speed dual clutch, 195 kilowatts in this application and 400 newton meters. So um, it's smooth, willing. It feels actually like a small capacity V6 somehow in terms of the the kind of um, maybe the way the sound deadening has been applied or it just it feels really smooth. Uh, it's roomy. Uh, comfortable. It rides on 19s, but the rubber is 55 aspect ratio. So there's a fair mm. bit of sidewall and it's pretty comfy and it's beautifully finished. I mean, you're, yeah, you're at $85,000, but three zone climate, 14 way front seats with memory, leather, and you get top shelf safety. So there's a, there's a lot in the car and that's just the tip of the iceberg really. Um, in terms of dislikes, it's hard zero to 106.2 but it feels relatively benign you know it doesn't an s or a gts machan uh feels more like a porsche um this car just feels like a a quality suv and in summing it up i'd say it's an impressive package but it's similar in feel to equivalent audis bmws mercs i mean to fulfill the role that this car will fulfill you don't need a porsche but it won't stop people wanting one it's what I'd say. So, you know, the equity that Porsche has built up in its badge over a long period of time makes people, it's a desirable thing. Mm-hmm. And this car is completely competent and very nicely put together, but you don't need a Porsche to do its job. Yeah. Is what it's, I'd say. it's interesting. I, 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 I quite like the Macan and I would agree with you on that, JC. And I would also say the same for the KN, the base KN. Yeah, I right. drove that not that yep. long ago and I was like, this, no, like this is not what, no, 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 no. no. And, and look, you the know, flip yeah. side is I think Porsche has collectively been getting its head around the whole SUV thing mm. a heck of a lot better mm. in, in the last half a decade or so that their SUVs feel more like a Porsche. It's just this one kind of doesn't. It feels competent mm. and it's quiet and smooth and all those things. But um, yeah. doesn't I'm going to counteract all of that and say, you know what? Like you buy it for the badge. Uh, like- that's it. That's it. You want a Porsche? You know yep. what? Like you don't want the more powerful engines and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Here it is. Yep. There you yeah. go. That, that's fair enough. If you know, if if that's mm. uh, what pushes people's buttons, uh, mm-hmm. fair enough. But I think, in in my estimation, um, you, 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 yeah. Anyway, we've said enough. And and speaking speaking of saying uh, things, let's move to feedback. And we have comment of the week on top of the shipping container at the front of the Cars Guide forecourt. <sighs> With bunting balloons and riding on the uh, windscreen, it's it's going to be sold. MV Norsel. Now, last last week we were talking about biggest Aussie car fails. You know, cars that didn't make it for whatever reason in this market. They weren't necessarily Australian built cars. They were cars that were sold here, and we went through a whole laundry list of cars. But MV Norsel says the best car to fail in Australia is the Mitsubishi 380. A quality, well-built car that's proved itself extremely reliable. MV Norsel may be an owner. I'm just guessing. <laughs> um, it's such a fail, many esteemed motoring journalists have completely forgotten it. Um, and Mike Alloway also made the same comment. 
So from 2005 to 2008, yeah, the Mitsubishi uh, 380 uh, was manufactured in South Australia and, and sold here. Um, there was even the fabled TMR supercharged rally art version, 20 of which were produced. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it, a totally com competent car, but it just failed to fire, mm -hmm. I think largely because it was out of step with what Australians wanted to buy. It sort of went down the same road as a Commodore and a Falcon and, and the market was changing and despite its qualities, and I'm, I'm entirely willing to believe that it's proved reliable um, mm. over time, it just wasn't kind of on the money in terms of where the market was going. Yeah, it is a bit of a shame because I think that start, car still looks quite good. Am I alone I in thinking that? Well, or? The, no, I think I, the only I thing agree. that gives it away uh, is the headlights, Tung, that mm. they're just reflector halogen yep, lights yep. and it tends to age the car quite a bit. But the shape itself, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's done pretty well. Yeah. A mate of mine owned one um, brand new and she loved it and had no problems with it and thought it was fantastic. I think one of the other things that um, probably didn't work in its favour was, um, you know, changing the name from Magna to 380. Like, yeah. There was no recognition in the market of that. People were like, what? 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 Uh, you know, that didn't help. Um, I think you're totally right, JC, that that was obviously the kind of start of the move to SUVs and that kind of thing as well. So it, mm. it was almost doomed to fail. Well, I think the Magna thing, at the time, there was a decision, well, Magna was was heading in a certain direction, oh, i.e. downwards. Mm. We don't want to continue with that name. Let's retire mm. it. This car's a 3.8 litre. 380 sounds a bit sporty, a bit racy. Let's go yeah. with that. And, uh, yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> I'm like, why not go with Gallant? Like, that was an all right name in the Mitsubishi catalogue. I don't know. Yeah. 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 A few mistakes maybe, there. Maybe there were other options, but uh, who knows? Does that make the, uh, the Nissan 370Z its... Prequel to the 380s? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Exactly. Exactly. Um, now, and also, some people did mention uh, whether or not there was renovations going on or a hen's party in the background for last week's <sighs> uh, podcast. Uh, we did mention that Chesto was coming to us from Texas, oh. where he was on a Jeep launch. And he was actually in a marquee where other people were having a bite to eat and, and what have you. So it did sound like a family gathering or whatever. So uh, apologies for that. But that's the context. Um, Chesto was in a fairly busy room. But uh, with that, we have reached the finish line. So I want to say thank you, Tung. Thank you. And thank you, Tim. Thank you, JC. And thanks to our production master, paranormal tour guide and bingo freak, Mr. Pritchard for his focus and commitment to podcast excellence. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, I like the sound you make when you shut up. Uh, why so serious, Joker pants and roller clogs? Unbelievable. <laughs> Jump into the conversation, Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Apple Podcast listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number of stars. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, you know, as just mentioned, Chesto joined us from the States uh, for last week's podcast. He told me after the show, a bloke in Texas proudly bowled up to him and said, I got gas today for $1.39 before adding, too bad it was a Taco Bell. <laughs> oh dear that is all <laughs>